0: Welcome to show 384. Last week in show 382 we interviewed Brian Tracy. I was enamored with his unsugarcoated forthrightness and directive actionable wisdom. It's why he's a legacy he is. Here is what he said about today's guest. I have worked closely with Kyle Wilson for 20 years. He is one of the best all-around marketers, promoters, business builders and entrepreneurs in business today. We have generated more than a million dollars together. That right there, folks, should be enough for you to stop and listen to this show in entirety.
1: You're what you are and where you are because of what's gone into your mind. You can change what you are. You can change where you are by changing what goes into your mind. You cannot become what you need to be by remaining what you are. If you can't take a huge step to begin with, take as big a step as you can, but take it now. That's the key. Take it now. You can have everything in life you want if you'll just help enough other people get what they want. Today's a brand new day, and it's yours.
0: Welcome to The Ziggler Show, where we continue the legacy of Zig Ziggler, the world's foremost authority on the fuel for everything we pursue, motivation, inspiration, and a confident self-image. We apply that fuel to leadership, personal growth, sales, faith, family, and success. Our foundational purpose is to inspire true performance, and this is the goal of every show. I'm Kevin Miller, show host and devoted evangelist of inspiration, Tom Ziegler, Zig's son and the CEO of Ziegler, and I come to you every week to discuss Zig's teachings and bring you the absolute best of today's most inspirational leaders. We get down to the roots of what will absolutely expand human potential, your potential to it. Well, folks, Kyle Wilson, if you do not know him, he's the founder of Jim Rohn International. YourSuccessStore.com, LessonsFromNetwork.com, and KyleWilson.com. The guys worked with the top names in the personal development industry, including Jim Rohn, Mandino, Brian Tracy, Zig Ziglar, Les Brown, Dennis Waitley, Darren Hardy, many others. He's the author of 52 Lessons I Learned from Jim Rohn and other great legends I promoted, which we're going to talk about today. He co-authored Chicken Soup for the Entrepreneur's Soul with Mark Victor Hansen and Jack Canfield. Kyle's launched and published over a dozen personal development publications, reaching over a million subscribers a week, and has produced, published uh, over a hundred plus hours of DVD and CD programs. You can find out all you want at Kyle, K-Y-L-E, Wilson.com. And, you know, I, I mean, you can be with, check this out. You can be with Kyle. I've talked about this in, re- in recent shows. You can be with Kyle. You can be with Brian Tracy, with Tom Zigger, with Dan Hardy, who's the publisher of Success Magazine and other rock stars of inspiration and personal performance guidance. In three weeks from the posting of this show, Uh, May 13 through 15, 2016, there's a three-day event in Dallas, Texas. It's Brian Tracy's 20-year anniversary of his Success Mastery Academy. So Brian will be personally covering a a bevy of foundational vital success topics on this. You can go check it out, and you can register. A bunch of you guys have already done that from us talking about it on this show. You can go register at zigshow.com dot com slash Brian. All right. That's zigshow.com slash Brian. All right, folks. Well, I am now going to usher in Tom Ziegler to co-host with me. And we're going to talk with Kyle Wilson uh, about some, I mean, with a guy who's, who's been in front of worked with so many of these big leaders uh, so much uh, wealth of wisdom he has to offer, I want to glean from him that we 're also going to talk about his you know fifty two lessons I learned from Jim Rohn and other great legends that I promoted. I love that uh, perspective so I am now going to bring these guys to you so Kyle you spend a lot of time introducing big audiences to legends in personal and business development I- i'm incredibly honored to introduce you. To the Ziggler audience and just thanks for giving of your time to us today.
2: Hey, thank you so much. What an honor for me having known Tom Ziegler for 20 years and being a fan of Ziggler for 30 years and Zig actually doing some events with us, uh, some Jim Rohn events. And I know I, I sold Zig Ziegler products all these years. So I'm a huge fan. So huge honor for me.
0: Well, on that note, when I asked you about your own Zig experience, you replied back with a foundational message from Zig, never do a good deal with a bad guy, which is actually the chapter or, or the segment you did in your, in your 52 uh, book here that we're going to talk about. But it's interesting that uh, you said it's, it's been some of the best business advice you've ever had. I mean, coming from a guy like you who has done business with so many people, so many leaders and legacies, and you are one yourself. It's interesting to me me that you pulled that out from Zig. If something, I was thinking about it, you know, something's a good deal, even if those involved are questionable, you know, it's attractive to try to justify it and do it anyway. So tell us, I'm I'm betting you have some experience and some folly in this that you're coming from, eh?
2: Absolutely. So, I mean, there's so many Zig-isms, right? There's so many great stories, great things we've all gained from Zig over the years that one in particular, though, stuck out to me because I'd never heard it from anyone else. You know, I've never heard that analogy. And it was so profoundly said, you know, such a short sentence to say so much. And I'm going to go on record. This is kind of robust a little bit. But, you know, I've, I've never been sued. I've never sued anyone. And that's a lot of good fortune. But that also is related to. Zig's great advice, you know, not getting into bed with the wrong people. And so I've always paid very close attention to philosophy, you know, which is the main thing Jim Rohn talked about. So, you know, just trying to pick up, is someone litigious? Does someone, you know, do they go through a lot of business challenges? Are they being a little bit too picky on certain things? You know, do they have a win-win? I mean, I'm all about win-win. When you see, here's someone kind of a win-lose, um, you know, even if they're presenting you with the win win, but you see them do win lose in business, you know, it's just like I'll shy away from that. And uh, I have made mistakes, and I would say virtually every mistake I made in this area, if it wasn't forgiving, I had to go back and buy my way out. And it was very expensive mm. to, to buy my way out of some bad relationships, some bad deals, or maybe good deals with bad people. Uh, but no, I'm, I'm, that that statement means so much to me, and the Zig story behind it was so powerful, so profound. So it's just again some brilliance that you know he packed into a little uh, little one sentence, one liner.
0: Well, thus thus is Zig. Uh, yes. Well, you know the next. Question that I prepped you with was in regards to how you wanted to inspire this Ziggler audience. And you replied with, You said, I want to challenge everyone to pursue their calling in life and to be their best self, not someone else. The more we can walk in who we are authentically and just be ourselves, the more impact we will have. On others well again interesting to me as you are such a I would have expected you to come with something from a marketing promotional aspect and I love that you came you know from that so in business and, and i 've always been involved in in business and entrepreneurship um, i've been i 've always been a fan of modeling you know you model what works not necessarily reinvent the wheel but uh, um, as, as I know you would say in, in marketing there are time tested methodologies we don 't want to veer from, so modeling's good, but here i 'm feeling that you Probably experienced many people losing sight of themselves in in that vein, and uh, as as Bagger Vance, one of my movies I appreciate, said, you know, they 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 didn't get into their one true authentic swing. And I'm wondering for you, and being involved with so many people, did this ever play out in your own life to a degree where you felt like, gosh, I'm 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 following uh, or or aligning myself maybe even too closely with some of these folks and, and I'm not being authentic to just myself or did you see that specifically in other people that led you to having that perspective for the show?
2: Well, you know, what really drove that comment, I'm, I'm glad you brought up marketing, was kind of marketing nice. because I had just been in Nashville the week before I'd been at a, a mastermind group with some of the biggest producers, marketers, or not marketers, managers. And we were talking about social media and I was just, all over Snapchat, just saying, Snapchat guys. This is called reality TV mixed with entertainment, mixed with some content, and what a music person's dream. And I said, here is the key: you have to be you, you have to be authentic. And when you are totally being you, totally being authentic, that's when it works. So I think being yourself, being authentic, is what works on all levels, including marketing. You know, when you are, if, if you are following, like you know, I follow everyone pretty much on social media and on Snapchat the ones that really get me are the people who are themselves. Not not necessarily slick, not necessarily, you know, uh saying all the right things, but they're themselves and they have that uh reality TV, they have that entertainment, but then you gotta have some content. So it can be music, reality TV, entertainment, some songs, or it can be personal development, like Gary Vanderchuk or some of those guys do. And I think that's a great model, and that's what that's what people are attracted to, right? So uh, I'm glad you brought up the marketing piece because at the end of the day, that's what I, I am. And I think everyone operates at their very best when they're trying to find out who am I really at my core and being true, true to that and then letting the world see that. Yeah.
1: You know, Kyle, I was just thinking uh, – a little while back, probably about three months ago, I had a long conversation with uh, a friend of mine. I, I think he's an internet uh, guru. He's been doing it for twenty plus years. His name is Derek. His name is Derek Gale, and Derek is just a fantastic uh, gentleman. Uh, and he was saying, "Wow, with your website and all the traffic, you should you get you should be doing X, Y, and Z, right? You should." you should really be able to hit this and hit that. And, and I, and uh, I said, you know what, you're like the fifth consultant who's told me that. And all of them have, you know, we've spent money with them and, you know, and it didn't happen. And he goes, well, let me ask you something. And I, and I said, okay. And he said, well, did you try to outsource your voice and your strategy? And I said, what did you mean? And he said, did they offer to be the voice? Did they offer to do the writing for you? Did they offer to represent you? And did they create the strategy or did you create the strategy? And I said, well, yeah, you're right. They kind of offered to to be the voice and in the, in the strategy. And he said, you can never do that. He said, you can outsource everything else. You can outsource the implementation. You can outsource the the pieces. That's fine. But when you are a brand representing a personality and a philosophy, whoever you are has to shine through. And that means you have to do it and you've got to own the strategy. There's a hundred strategies that'll work as long as you own it. But if you're not owning the strategy, that it's never going to line up with your voice.
2: A hundred percent. And that's when you learn too. It's like I I was on a, a call yesterday And they were saying, do we outsource social media? And I'm like, well, first of all, you're never going to get a pulse for who your audience is. You're not going to learn what everyone else is doing, right? I mean, if people really believe social media is important, kind of like email lists were important. I think they're both important. In fact, I know they're both important. You know, that's the one thing I don't think you can really outsource, like you're saying, because it's, it's you. It's the authenticness that people want, right? So, hundred percent agreed. That's good, Tom.
0: Well, hey, on the aspect of marketing and your and to your statement about calling and inspiring people to that. So, as a as a marketing guy, okay, I, you know, reading your stuff, you're a marketing guy, which is near and dear to my heart. I would say. Very much the same for myself and even more so a communication guy. That's where I excel, but I like to communicate great messages that I believe in. On that note, you know, I think so many people get wrapped up into calling and it's got to be this dramatic, altruistic, life-changing title, maybe even from a faith-based standpoint to be a true calling. And yet, you know, you say, my calling, I mean, I'm a marketing guy. Help people understand how you can view that, expand on that to say, no, this is how it relates to my core calling.
2: Yeah. So I remember William Bailey. That was one of Jim Rohn's mentors, the great Bill Bailey. And uh, I remember talking to him and he's like, Kyle, how could you have ever imagined working with Jim Rohn? What goals could you have set? I said, I couldn't have. He said, there's no way you could have predicted what you're doing now. And Kevin, that's just that's true for all of us. It's good to have goals, it's good to have vision, it's good to have dreams, but at the end of the day, you can only do what's in front of you. You know, Be faithful over what's in front of you. Uh, be searching, You know, be uh, finding mentors, be doing the activity, and then doors open, and then here's the key. It's this simple. Do more of what's working and less of what's not working. And as you keep doing that formula of searching and mentors and learning and doing the work ethic... And less of what's not working, more of what is working. You'll find your calling. It'll just keep presenting itself.
0: Man, I hear you on that. With Jim Rohn, of course. I, I, I'm still. If you'd asked me a year and a half ago about being a, a current voice for Ziegler Corporation, I, I would have was no no part of that existed. I'm still waiting for Tom to go. All right, Kevin, that's enough. But uh, he keeps me on. Very grateful. Well, so in your book, 52 Lessons I Learned from Jim Rohn and Other Great Legends I Promoted, and you've got guys in there. Bill Bailey, I, I know that you just mentioned is in there, but I, you know, I just picked some off, some of the ones that were foundational from, heck, from my youth. You know, Brian Tracy, Jim Rohn, Vic Johnson, Paul Ma- Marr, uh, Zig Ziglar, Les Brown, Mark Victor Hansen, John Maxwell, Aug Mandino, and so I'm, I'm 45. I'm old enough to remember... When TV had three stations plus PBS, some, you know, and at 11 PM, all the channels went static and off air and, you know, whatever shows played on that given night, they were watched by, I, I don't know, a third of the population. I mean, it seems like everybody, you know, so those names, a lot of the names that you have in your book. Were I mean, those were kings of the initial mass influence of personal development and they they got out to the masses, you know, before internet and people were filling the stadiums. I know you were there with, with 10, 30, 50,000 people. And if, if folks, if you're listening and you don't know those names, then you know, their impact. I mean, in a recent interview, I'll uh, pull out, you know, Seth Godin, he stated that Zig Ziglar was the grandfather of all big influencers in personal and business development. So Kyle here that we're talking to now has worked intimately with all these people and more. And from that, Kyle, I'm, I'm highly interested. Well, I'm highly interested in anything you have to say, honestly, well, um, but... <laughs> <laughs> but I want to ask some things in regards to your experience uh, and and again to call out folks please you can go get Kyle's book right now 52 lessons I learned from Jim Rohn and other great legends I promoted at KyleWilson.com. and again uh, that's k y l e wilson.com it's free It's free. Please, folks, just do your favor. Go get it. What's the catch? Well, the dude's a marketer. He knows. He gets your email address. He gets permission to send you value. And if it's not valuable, you'll hit this unsubscribe button. That's easy. But he knows you're going to get great value, so it's worth giving the book away. Please, go get it. All right. So, Kyle, on these legends, were they truly superhuman? brilliant geniuses saints i mean we're or, or were they idiots or egotists who didn't know any better than to get up on stage and pronounce they knew something that would help others but i just know that our audience and so many of us our humanity were prone to look and go oh my gosh these are bigger than life people I, i'm betting you have some experience that can bring it down to earth
2: well yeah they, they were neither right they were not definitely on the, the egotistical <laughs> but, you know they that again I had the good fortune, and it goes back to Zig's quote, it goes back to Jim Rohn uh, about philosophy, is I really, only really, really worked with good people. I, every story in that book are people I like. Yeah. Now, there's some stories of people I didn't like that didn't end up in the book, and if it had, it wouldn't have been very complimentary, right? <laughs> These 52 lessons are all... Good stories. None of them are warnings. It'd be right?
0: a good gossip think. book people would want.
2: Yeah. yeah I didn't yeah. share any of the stories of a lesson you could have learned from the <laughs> negative. Right? You should of, do that. Things not but, to do I for your some. success. Don't, don't get me wrong, but <laughs> they're, they're not the people in the book. No, they're just, they're amazing people. And if you tried to uh, find some of the most positive aspects, they had an amazing work ethic. Mm. Uh, they were great communicators. They had great content They had longevity. You know, one of the stories I tell is I met Jim Rome was 59 when I met him. And I I know, I clearly know the most success he ever had after we got together. So he, you know, he wasn't an overnight success by any means, right? He was 59. I know Zig, you know, was probably in his 50s before he really took off. And, uh, Brian Tracy might be a bit of an exception, right? Cause I remember seeing Brian and, and, uh, Zig when Brian was maybe 40, but the majority of these guys, you know, Dennis Whateley, uh, Jim Rohn, Zig Ziglar, they, they hit it when, you know, when they were older. And so the Jim Rohn I knew had already learned a lot of lessons. He was a better guy at 59 than he probably was at 40. He had more wisdom. He'd been through it all. He'd been through the storms of life. He had had the benefit of contrast. So, uh, you know, these guys had so much wisdom and so much value being around them. So it wasn't, you know, I was just constantly a student. I mean, I was sitting there learning and then I got to bring my marketing gift, right? But I never interfered with their content. You know, I, I was more like a director. Well, like product, I created a lot of products. So I might be the director or the producer if it's an event, it was my event, but working with them from a content standpoint, these guys were such pros, so great to work with. And if they weren't that, you know, that name's not on the list. You know, that's not right. who, who is part because, and, because there were some, right? Sure. Uh, well,
0: but, so on that, you just mentioned, and I wasn't quick enough to write them down. You just mentioned some aspects of common threads that you saw that they did this, they did this. Hit that again and, and, uh, and, and let us, uh, digest on that a little bit that here they are down to earth, real people with real stories, but they had these common threads and you just rattled off like four of them. Um, that was, That's really what I wanted to ask you next, as you have gotten to be amongst these guys in intimate settings with them, placing trust in you and, and having partnership with you, what are some of those common threads that you saw led to their success?
2: Yeah. So virtually every name had longevity. I mean, it's not like they were overnight successes. You know, it was 20 years later and they're still breaking into the big stage or they had already paid their dues. So long, they, they were there for a long time. They paid their dues, amazing work ethic, uh, amazing learners. You know, they read their readers. They're, they're constantly uh, learning more. They're, they're hustling. I mean, I would say this, like, I don't, I don't know how it sounds, but it's a fact is they, most of them came and approached me because I was filling up rooms, right? There's a lot of people that didn't approach me, but you know, the Mark Victor Hanson's, they, they called me and said, Hey, I'd love to be part of your events. Loved to, Les Brown showing up at my office one day saying, Hey, I'd love to be part of part of these things you're doing. Uh, so, you know, they were out hustling, they were making things happen. And they created a lot of content, right? Uh, it, it, it would be hard for someone that had never written a book to say, Hey, I want to, <laughs> I want to be on the big stage with you. Right. Yeah. So they, 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 uh, they were prolific with content. Um, I mentioned they were great communicators, right? That's how they earned the right to be on stage. You can be a great marketer and be on stage, but if you haven't got the real content, it's not going to last. Okay. Um, and, and, again, the group I'm talking about had a great philosophy. And, you know, to define philosophy, it's just, you know, they're about win-win. They, 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 they know how to work with people. Uh, they're ultimately, um, you know, they always want to do the right thing. And good things happen, right, in those type of relationships,
0: Before Tom Ziegler continues and shares a valuable insight he received from Kyle, I want to recognize a proud supporter of The Ziegler Show. Concur. If you're a business leader like I am, you probably see your responsibilities growing every day, which makes it hard to stay focused on a foundational responsibility of your job, managing and growing the bottom line. As your responsibilities grow, your employees need more from you, and these days, there's a device or an app for just about everything, and employees like having the same conveniences at work that they get at home. And one prime area with Concur is expense reporting as well. So with Concur, you can give them the tools they, and thus you, will benefit from. Concur lets employees create, submit, and approve expenses, plus manage invoices from any device anywhere in the world. They have a great function, specifically, again, for travel expenses. So, hey, when you empower your employees, the benefits are felt by everyone. As the business leader, Concur gives you accurate, consolidated spending data instantly, giving you the visibility and insight to drive cost savings. Happier employees, more productivity, and the data you need all lead to a healthier bottom line, expense, travel, invoice. Learn more at concur.com slash ziggler. Again, that's C-O-N-C-U-R.com slash Ziggler.
1: You know, Kyle, one of the things that uh, I learned from you, gosh, I don't know how many years ago this was. It was probably at least 15 years ago. Uh, you, <clears throat> you were doing some, some pretty heavy, uh, innovative email marketing and and uh you were your list was very vibrant. They were not only an active list, but they were a buying list. Yep. and uh for me, that's music to my ears. You know the revenue's one thing, but we know statistically that that when you hear a speaker, uh, you might get it fired up and inspired, but it wears off almost immediately. but when you when you take the program home and you listen to it over and over again sixteen times, like Dad used to coach. Uh, because that's really how long and how many times it takes you to really learn it. That's when a life has changed. Mm, yeah. yeah. Uh, you you called up and you, it was the end of the year and you said, Tom, you know, I want to <laughs> do a big promotion and, you know, do you have any extra inventory? I'd love to. Well, guess what? We had some inventory and and I remember we we cut the deal and you bought a lot of this inventory and I said, Hey, are you gonna are you gonna offer this at a discount? And you said, yeah, we're going to have a great sale. You know, it's going to benefit everybody. It's a big win. And, and I said, yeah, but there might be some of those people on our list. And what if they get the offer from you that's less money? And you said, oh, Tom, that's easy. There won't be that many. And the ones that do and they say something, just make them happy. Mm. And it was just a profound thing. We should be bold in the way we do things cuz we're in the life-changing business. And if somebody says, "Hey, wait a second. I, I I missed out on that or how come I didn't get that?" You know what? Give it to them. And so <laughs> that's what we did. Yeah. And it it was so profound. It was just like this this little mind shift of why wouldn't we go out and try to make the biggest impact and then make everybody happy? The other thing that you told me right in that is you said Hey, do you have like a single, uh, I think it might even have been a, a cassette tape or it, it might have been CDs then. Uh, it was back right in that switchover. Do you have one that we could just put in with our package from Zig that I could give away? And we hadn't done that before. It's a
2: bonus, like the first one. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: And I said, well, I don't know. Why would we want to give something away? And then you said something really interesting. You said, you know these speakers all have their own style. They all have an ability to communicate. And some like Zig might reach 70% of the audience and, and others might reach 40% of the audience, but all of them really have an impact with 5%, maybe 10. And you never know which one that is. So whenever I give Zig away to somebody who hadn't heard him before, I know that for the ones that connect, they're going to come back and they're going to get everything that Zig oh. ever did. Oh. And that was another mind shift for me that, and you know what, when you look at internet marketing and the way it's happened, that's the way the whole industry has gone. Right. And so whether you pioneered that or you picked up on it right away, or you just intuitively knew it as a marketer, that was another mind shift that I had. And that was probably 15 years ago. And so oh. Those two things. We sometimes we get protective of. Hey, I invented that. That's an intellectual thing. You know, why should I give that away? And yet, always the most successful people on stage. When you catch them one on one, they will tell you everything more than you ever wanted to know. That's true. And it's, no. that generosity is what attracts people to them. So,
2: no, that's great, Tom. Uh, appreciate you saying that. And I know for me, uh, my how my brain always worked when I got really pre-internet and post-internet. In fact, going back to the beginning, 1993, when I started Jim Rohn International, I drew a circle. I called it the wheel, and I had all these spokes on the wheel, and each spoke was a product or a service or customer acquisition. And once you got someone on the wheel, the goal is can you take them around the wheel, right? So my whole mindset was always, my paradigm was, getting people on the wheel. And so customer acquisition was huge for me and so with the internet when you know the first when it was happening I remember it so vividly of the people who were ahead of me get, getting on there who were so about selling it's like I'm going to be about acquiring. I want to get people on my list And then I can talk to them 52 times a year, right? Mm -hmm. And so our whole thing was customer acquisition. And then sure enough, right, eventually you're going to have something that they want, right? Just that patience of we'll get them. And uh, yeah, so customer acquisition was always first. So sometimes you do, of course, now you have to do something free, right? Mm -hmm. But even back then it was, to me, it's how do I get them on my list? And uh, and back to the uh, happy customers. I know for us, with customer service, the thing I, I preached and we it was one of our sayings was anytime a customer called and they said, hey, I want a refund, I want this, I want that, we always said no problem, like immediately, no problem. So that, okay, the defenses are gone, right? And then you just work it out. what, what Who knows what they want, right? Maybe they don't really want a refund. Maybe they want... Whatever it is, right? So I love that you brought that up about to just make them happy, and who knows what that is.
1: Yeah, and that's you know that's Seth Seth Godin. He beats that drum constantly today. He says this isn't it an interesting that the huge companies that we all have issues with the phone company, the cable company, they measure their customer service by how quickly their customer service agent could get you off the phone, right. And they spend millions of dollars acquiring new customers. And then somebody who's already in the fold, it's like, get them off the phone as fast as possible. When what you should be doing is thanking God that they called you. And even if there is a tiny issue, what else can you do for them that day? Turn them into a happy customer and move them up a notch in the same time. So just a a simple lesson. Make them them happy. Find out what they need.
2: Them if you don't talk to them, right? Mm-hmm. You, if you don't solve their problem, they will go somewhere else. That's yeah, that's awesome. Well, Seth is brilliant. By
0: I, the way, yeah, right? and I yeah, we had a we, we had an interview with him not long ago, and yeah, the guy is uh, I, I can read him constantly, but and I I, I literally had no uh, intent of talking marketing on this specific show, but I'm going to. So, folks, here, hear from Kyle Wilson is a, a marketing nugget that he hit on that I think to those of us in marketing, we're, we're used to hearing this. We're, 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 we, will, we know this well. I still violate it sometimes. Um, so I want you to speak real quickly because you talked about some of the acquisition aspect of it, of just the reality that sales is very, very seldom ever an event. Uh, that just, it happens. It's a process, which is why, as we mentioned with your book, you know, you are giving away this thing that you poured so much into that I want to ask you about next, but you're giving it away at your website, kylewilson.com folks go there. For an email address that you can unsubscribe from in a heartbeat, you can get the book. Uh, you know, get get what he's offering, and you can unsubscribe and not be bothered. He knows, though, that chances are you're going to find value. He'll have the chance to continue correspondence with you, and that from that, there's a good chance that you will then make another purchase. That's how it works. But we still, and again, I got to admit, sometimes I'll find myself violating this, and I'm treating it like an event. Like ah, oh, son of a gun that it's a process. It's a process. I mean, is that still something that you come back to as you are teaching and leading others in sales, in marketing?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, now more than ever, it's about building relationships, building a herd. And, uh, you know, every, everyone and their brother, you know, has email lists and giveaways and all that stuff. And so I think that's why I'm excited about, and I'm not trying to segue into the event. That's not the purpose. Oh, let's do it. Come on.
0: Everybody so, got to go. No, no,
2: no but, but what I am going to say is that's why I think events are more important than ever now, because I think everything is going back to community and touching. And I know for me, when it was like, okay, do more of what's working less of what's not working. What was working is I do these private masterminds and spending a day with people is where, you know, the connection happens. I know Tom has a lot of weekend events that you and Howard do, right? You and Howard Parkridge and you do your own and the Zig Ziglar legacy and everything you guys do. When you can get people together, that's where it really happens. So, um, and and I I am guilty as well of making an an event, Um, but you do a little bit of everything. I mean, I think it's, it's like social media. You mix it up. Sometimes, I have nothing to offer. I really don't. I, it's, I did. I don't have any autoresponders. I've never really been a big autoresponder guy anyway. Uh, I've done them at times, but now I've removed them all again. And it's like whatever I have going is what I talk about. And sometimes I don't really have anything I'm pushing. Uh, I definitely don't create my own programs uh, because if, if I can do it really well, I'd rather just go do it than be teaching it. I'm not a teacher per se. So my my I don't really have stuff to sell unless it's kind of my uh, masterminds or an event I'm doing. Otherwise, I'm just trying to give good content and and uh, connect with people.
0: Well, I want to ask about. Um, well, you talked about the event, the power, you know, we're all used to, we talked about this, uh, we, we, did, we talked about it last week with Brian, you know, that we are, are so, I mean, here we, it's a Ziggler show, this show, the next four weeks, 30 plus thousand people are going to download it. They're used to getting their content this way. And I think for some of them more and more, as you know, they're just not as aware. They don't have even the thought of going to something. And yet there's so much power in that. Okay. So I, I, that's my preface really into asking you about your process with this book. Um, I mean, so you knew each of these guys intimately. You worked with them. You partnered with them. Uh, You had heard so much of their words. You'd read them. You would participated in the offering of them. So it seems like you're as ingrained as as can be. But I'm guessing... That as you sat down to create this book, to culminate this book, and you actually did your own writing uh, in your responses to these messages from these guys, that it took you to an even further level of some realizations and understandings, maybe some epiphanies as you're doing this that you had not had before. Is that the case?
2: <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, Anytime we have uh, opportunities to drop nuggets, we want to do that. So I'm going to drop a, a nugget here, right? Wait, a please. Nugget. Uh, so I wrote, the reason it's 52 lessons is I wrote one a week. Yeah. So I wanted to have an opt-in. I thought the easiest opt-in I could do that would just be over the top value is this book. So I wrote a lesson a week. And so at the end of the year, I had a book completed, Right but I was able to do my opt-in from day one. Mm. So just some advice for people who it's like, oh, I got to go write this book. Well, you can actually uh, create an opt-in, start offering whatever it's going to be, and then write it once a week with a weekly deadline. At the end of whatever it is, you've now completed whatever you've completed. And then to go turn it into an actual published book, I'm going to do some other little disciplines, and that will come out this next fall and then I really want to make it a big book, right? But, uh, yeah, going through each of those lessons, every week I would I would say, okay, who, what, you know, what lesson, what story, and, yeah, it was just over the top. Uh, 52 was not hard. It wasn't hard to come up with 52 lessons when you've been around Jim Rohn and Darren Hardy and Les Brown, and every every single lesson in there was something that happened. It wasn't me studying them. It was actually... A connection, or something that happened at an event, or some circumstance, okay, or some advice they had given me, right? Yeah.
0: Okay, so on that again, with you being privy to uh, so many of these 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 other other leaders and guides, authorities, experts, I I want to ask about this. is just a candid question. Sure. Is there something recent? Well, here I'll use an example. So we recently interviewed uh, Kevin Cruz and his t- on on time management his secrets and I listened to
2: that that was great uh, it, it
0: was okay so that's that's one of many where we did the interview and I made a life change after that mm-hmm. i mean i had something that son of a gun i went back talked to my business partner said we could, we're we're being stupid we got to do this so uh, what's the most recent uh, experience you've had with being uh, uh you know being with being with somebody being with one of these guys and going well, son of a gun, and making a, a, a change, big, small, whatever in your own life.
2: Oh, Okay. Um, it happens every day. You know, every day there's some nugget. Just, uh, but you know, I'm thinking about. I get with Darren Hardy quite a bit, and, and not that long ago, I was with Darren and John Assaraf and uh, a group of guys, and uh, John. Is now vegan. He doesn't drink, and this is the biggest wine connoisseur I know. And Darren's the epitome of health. And just seeing their their uh, commitment to health, you know, that's inspiring. Mm-hmm. I, I coin the phrase, or I, to myself, I don't. I'm just saying. For me, I say uh, the greatest way to become disciplined is get around disciplined people. Yeah. In other words, it's like okay, do I make a list? No, I just get around other people that inspire me. So like in my mastermind, I have a 31-year colonel in the Marines. He's actually going to be speaking at a three-day event. Tim Cole, uh, you guys will meet him. That guy inspires me every time I'm around him. He is the most encouraging. You know, He's the opposite of what you would think of as far as a colonel in the Marines and a leader as far as how he just so gives. He is literally that servant leader has a heart for millennials. Uh, I was just with... Seth Mosley last week in Nashville, this 28 year old Grammy winning number one, billboard number one producer, number three songwriter. And I'm just inspired by again, how humble this kid is and how on his game is. And and here's the thing. He's not a marketer at all. He is a pure artist and uh, he's made a commitment to up his game in marketing and get on social media. And the guy is just doing it right. And so when someone says, are you born the market, or can you learn it? I say, you can learn it. I'm watching this guy do it, right? Seth do it. And so a guy to be at the top of his game and yet be so humble and go and say, I'll be a student over here and have the motivation to do it, even though he's already killing it and what he's doing. So, so, so many examples of, of that. And then a lot of my vivid ones are really from the book that are more 15, 20 years ago, like the ones that really stick with me. I can look back and say that was a fork in the road. Yeah. And I'm happy to share a couple of those, Kevin. Please. Yeah. So like Paul J. Meyer, uh, the founder of SMA and Waco, or SMI. Uh, I got to spend two days with him like in 1995, 96. And at the time, Paul had 40 companies. And uh, he, he would... I'm sitting here stressed out with my one little company, right? Paul's got all the time in the world in these two days. And Paul's one of the most disciplined people you've ever met. And so I would talk to him about that. And he said, Kyle, here's the key. You have to inspect what you expect. So he said, with every company, with every leader, with every manager, you never relegate. Most people relegate instead of delegate. And to truly delegate, you have to train. But once you train and delegate, then you have to inspect what you expect. That was a game changer for me. He also said, you know, a short-term goal for him, he said, was 20 years, which seemed kind of like over the top. You know, there's this guy in his 70s saying a short-term goal was 20 years. But Paul, uh, it's one of the stories where I, it's I think in terms of decades, not months. And Paul really got me thinking long-term. And, and after being with Paul, I started thinking 10 years from now. Instead of asking a year from now, I'd think 10 years from now. Dennis Waitley. Everyone knows who Dennis Waitley is, I hope, right? Mm-hmm. Dennis, at the time, had 18 books. And he said, people always asked me, you know, how do I write all these books? And he said, look, I do it at night during most people's TV time. Mm-hmm. You know, he said prime time is, is big time. He, he's like, I have a full-time gig as a speaker. So all my books, all 18 books were written at, at nighttime. You know, it was in that... That was like my part-time job was being an author. And so that throws a lot of people off, right? Because they're like, oh, I don't have the time to write my book or to build my other business. Well, guess what? Some of these guys who are at the top of what they do still, you know, do those things. Any, any big-time speaker, right? Like Zig, right? Tom, he, that guy was full-time with his speaking career. Where did he find the time to write the books? It was probably during a lot of other people's entertainment time.
1: Right. You know, I'm thinking about him writing books. I was see you at the top came out as Biscuit Fleas and Pump Handles. It was nineteen seventy four-ish, maybe seventy-three late. We he was speaking in Kansas City. I was nine years old, and the hotel we were staying in was an old hotel. We were staying in, I think it was the Eisenhower suite because President Eisenhower had stayed there. And in the middle of the night, I feel my foot being moved and mom and dad are waking me up because the hotel is on fire. Okay. (laughs) Wow. The alarms are going off and here I am in my pajamas, dad's in his pajamas, mom's in her nightgown. And the only thing that dad is carrying with him is this box. And in the box is the book that became CEO at the Top. The only thing he was leaving the burning building with. Because back then there weren't computers. No. That was the book. Wow. And so you're exactly right. That book was in his briefcase everywhere he went. Yeah. It's what he worked on. And he did it on airplanes and airports and hotel rooms. It was it was the between the times thing. So here's the good news. We're going to the stairwell which because you can't take the elevator. And the fireman comes out of the stairwell and says, it's under control. It was just a, a hamper fire on the third floor and, and we got it. So go back to bed. <laughs> but just a flashback about how somebody writes a book. Dad always said this, it's not lack of time. It's lack of direction. Yes. So we have direction, and we know we want to go there. Then, then the time we can use in our favor. When we don't have direction, any way you spend your time is okay. Yeah.
0: Well, I love hearing that story uh, that you shared, Kyle. About uh, who was it that 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 was writing their books in the evening? Dennis Waitley. Dennis Waitley, because that, that's that's me. I've got you know, during the day. I'm doing doing these interviews, helping produce the shows. I've got another uh, business that's gratefully flourishing, and so it's after. I still, I've got I got a lot of kids, so it's after the little ones are in bed at night. When most people I know are flipping on the. The tube, I sit down and unlike your friend, I, I have not given up wine. I, I really appreciate that. So with my, my glass of dry red, and that's when I really uh, sink in and think through and write these shows, which is such a gift to do. And on that note, back to what you were talking about before, you, you know, I'm somewhat in awe of, of what you get to do. I feel incredibly blessed that i i i get a part of my job is to do this is to interview and to glean from people like yourself and these other leaders and you are enmeshed with them in, in a far greater role but even to the degree i am i feel like i cannot escape positive personal development and what a what a gift i mean what an absolute uh what an absolute blessing um it is that you compiled, that, that I hear you now, you're saying it's really the beginnings of uh, a, a, even a greater manuscript that you're going to put together. But even in doing this book, do you feel like for those who are listening, it's a cliff notes resource on key points for personal development success from some of the greatest leaders of all time?
2: Yeah, it's huge. It's huge. I mean, uh, I'll give you another quick, quick story. If, like it's short, like John Maxwell, because this was a game changer for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was meeting with Kevin Small, who ran his company, and then later, John, we were all meeting in Atlanta. And he made the comment, he said, everyone likes to win. And at the time, I was kind of one of these hard-ass bosses, you know, and I'd come in on Monday morning with our, you know, what do we got to do? What are we behind on? Where are we losing? And it was just such a shift for me. And so I started working so hard to come in and think about all the wins and that then led me to think about a football team, and you know, how are we going to win? And and the marketplace, they don't play for anything. So we created um, celebrations, and we created a Super Bowl, and we created all these ways they could win with profit sharing. And I started watching us become a team, right? And it all came from this amazing advice of John talking about everyone wants to win; it's inherent in us. And I wasn't, as a leader. You know, I wasn't cultivating that winning attitude, right? I was focused on the losers, so they always felt like they're losing, right? And maybe we were losing, so I had to change the game in such a way that we're winning. And I think that applies as a family. It applies as a business. It applies in anything you're doing. If, If you're not winning, how do you at least change the paradigm to finding ways you are winning?
1: I'll just, you know, you mentioned the name Kevin Small. I haven't spoken to him in years, but here's a quick story that I love uh, about our industry and about those two guys, uh, Kevin and and, uh, Maxwell. Kevin was running Maxwell's organization. This was in uh, uh, 2001, I believe. uh, And that's when dad had his diverticulitis attack and for, and He had major surgery. They removed eighty percent of his colon uh, at that time. Uh, He he had a code blue on the table, and it took him out of the game for a couple of months. He wasn't able to go and speak, and it really put a crunch on our business. And I called, uh, you know, a lot of people knew, and they were inquiring, and I was talking to Kevin about it at the time. And I said, I said, Hey, would you, would, would you consider doing something? He said, what? And I said, would you do a special on one of our products? And he was like, Oh, I would love to. And I can't think of anything in a more timely, a more timely thing that helped our business any more than in that crunch time. Oh. Oh. And so I've always been grateful to Kevin uh, since that time. It, it was really a, you know, at a time of stress, you know, when you need somebody to say here, sure, I'll help. Well, it, it you know it, it it was such it may have been a little thing in the in the world at that time for him to do, but it was such a big thing in our world. So when you say people love to win, I mean that's just an example of if you're looking at how can I help somebody win, man, you'll attract a lot of people around.
2: Absolutely, <laughs> and I'm telling you, Kevin's one of those guys that most people would never know that name, but he he that guy did some amazing things to build that company and create book deals and everything else. Huge guy. And he's gone on to do a lot of amazing things with other people too. Right. But that, that's, that's a benefit Tom to a historical perspective, right? That's right. Just having a conversation going back, you know, five, 10, 15, 20 years ago. And I see sometimes, uh People in the industry, they'll they'll come up with a brilliant idea and they'll go implement it. They have zero historical perspective and they don't realize the other 10 companies that have already tried to do that that failed and not even know the reasons why they failed. And a lot of times uh, I don't have to have failed at something to know if maybe 10 other people did because I was observing it. And again, back to the value of if you don't have a historical perspective, go do the research and talk to enough people and really listen to them. Because I'm really going off on a tangent here, but uh, Kevin. But the thing is, uh, think how many people get a great idea and just go do it. And they never pick up the phone. They never research. They never ask other people. And they're lacking historical perspective.
0: Absolutely. Well, hey, uh, I want to speaking of historical perspective of the events. I want to I want to make a mention of, of events again, uh, and I'll shamelessly promote again. Uh, go to zigshow dot slash brian to check out the information on this upcoming three day event in Dallas, Texas, May thirteenth through fifteenth, two thousand sixteen. But on that again looking i was thinking about the event that we are i mean if i think about my own peers how many of them especially if in a geographical you know my my uh, where i live area have gone to some kind of a physical event to better themselves it's very few very few i mean again we're so and with you having been enmeshed in back before the internet and how we did business and people did go to events because a lot of times it was the best way to get that kind of content to now we're in this social media information online age and you're seeing that Uh, just to comment again on the power that you're uh, of events and what people are missing out on. And and I will put in there too, as I was thinking about that to think, you know, people still go to the theater. They still go to concerts, music concerts. You don't have to, I got Spotify. I can listen to anything, anytime, anywhere. Why would I need to go to a concert? Well, most people will go, well, my gosh, the experience and the, this and the, that Uh, they go to church. Well, I can listen to the best sermons in the world online. Why do you go to church? So on that note, tell folks again, uh, impeach them, as to, to what they need to come to an event on bettering themselves.
2: Yeah, so I'm so glad you you said it that way and brought it up that way because people know who Darren Hardy is, right? Publisher Success Magazine, he, he's pretty big right now. Well, guess what? Darren was at all those events. Darren right. was at the 2001 Jim Rohn event. He was at the 2004 Jim Rohn three day event. He was at the Brian Tracy Success Mastery Academy. Delatoro McNeil, the youngest CSP of National Speakers Association, one of the highest awards you can get, one of the youngest guys to ever be on the, the million-dollar roundtable main stage, has spoken with Joel Osteen. Joel's had him on his stage. De La Toro, who's speaking at our event called Crush the Stage, was at all those events. His attendees, right? Ron White, the U.S. memory champion,'s been to probably a dozen of my events. Mm -hmm. Robert Helms, who is speaking at the event, uh, the biggest uh, developer in Belize, uh, has the Real Estate Guys radio show that's the number one downloaded real estate podcast, has been to at least 30 of my events the past 20 years, right? And so he here's a great little thing I got to do. I got to go on Robert's cruise, I don't know, a month ago, and there was uh, Robert Kiyosaki, Simon Black. I mean, all these people were hanging out together and it wasn't the speakers. And then here's the attendees. Everyone hung out. And so I purposefully, I'm not going to have a green room at this event because every speaker kind of wants to see the other speakers anyway. So everyone's going to have access to the amazing group of people there, but they're also going to have access to Brian and Darren and Tom and Ron and I've got a whole group of Vic Johnson, a whole group of amazing people that are part of it. But I, you know, I watch a lot of, uh, a lot of mine on Snapchat, a lot of stuff, uh, videos, YouTube. And the thing that has really, if I look at my, uh, my inner circle, if I look at the people I'm really connected with, I have met them all at events. I went to Tom and Howard's, a couple of their events. Howard had me speak at one of his Darren Hardy's invited me twice to his VIP stuff and will typically kind of point me out. And I don't know, you take five or six events I've been to in that uh, Robert Helms events. And that's where I've attracted so many people in my life. So mm-hmm. events is, that's a great place to meet people. And church was a great example. You can sit there and do your devotional every day, right? And have your journal like I do. But then you got to get around the, the people. And I call it immersion, you get When you get around a room full of people like-minded thinking, something powerful happens. Every time we go somewhere we don't want to go, what happens? We leave saying, wow, well, I'm so glad I went. And there was a connection, a relationship. Um, I ran into a guy at the gym yesterday who was so burnt out. I said, you got to be at this event. And candidly, I was not trying to sell him. I was trying to help him. This is a friend of mine. I don't want him. This entrepreneur guy needs to come to this event, and why am I so confident? It's because I've done so many. Tom, all the events you've put on, you see the people at the end. You get all the emails, all the texts, all the phone calls, all the the life-changing stories, and if Tom started listing all the people that Zig impacted, if I listed all the people Jim Rohn has impacted, And it really is the Darren Hardys of the world. You know, it's the number one guys in each of the network marketing companies. It's the number one guys in real estate. It's the number one guys in whatever industry they're in have been impacted by this stuff. Mm -hmm. And they went, right? It's not like they just read a book. I mean, they might say, hey, I read the book. But they attended. They showed up. And I was listening to uh, a guy last night who was talking about we learn socially. He said, that's where, you know, we can read it, read it, read it, but where it really connects, the dots connect, is socially. When you get around other people, there's a transference that happens. I'm like, that's been true for me. And this guy's huge. And he was saying, hey, that's how I learn. I learn when I get around other people that impact me. So, look, we're offering them to come. It's a one-time-only type of event. It's the 20-year anniversary of the Success Mastery Academy. Brian doesn't speak – three days at any kind of event to have the kind of people showing up in addition to Brian. It's pretty over the top and everyone said, are you going to record it? And I said, no. And are you going to do a tour? And I'm like, no, this is a one time event. I kind of went on record when I booked it saying it's like Led Zeppelin showing up for the 20 year anniversary. So I, I, I dug my heels in, I, I put it out there and so I'm sticking by it. It's a one time. And the people that are there will, get the benefit from it, and everyone else will get to say, why didn't you tell me about it? I would have been there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll say, well, we, we did our best. We Tom, pro- you, you said something that just kind of triggered your thought. Dad used to say that uh, selling is a transference of feeling. Mm. And one of the things that we teach, we have a uh, kind of a, we call it our Ziegler Speakers Institute, but one of the things that we train our people who come through that is we say that speaking is a transference of conviction. And that is the difference between reading a book and seeing it live on stage is we need to be convicted. We need to have in our heart, in our soul. That's what I'm meant to do. That's my destiny. That's the path that I want to take. And the speakers who are on the stage that you've invited, that's what they've figured out is they they, they know it, they live it, you know, they know it, they show it, they share it, right? right. And, and so what it is is they become that, then they lead by example, and then they share with others how you can too. And I think that's what really happens at, at, a, at an event is the conviction happens. Yes, And until we're convicted – we're not willing to push through the obstacles that automatically come up. And that's a guaranteed fact. When you're on the right path, get ready because the obstacles are coming. And you have to have the conviction to power through that. That's what I see. That's why I love live events.
2: Me too. And I think uh, I think having a two or three day is where it really happens because the first day, of an event is kind of like going on vacation, right? It's like you haven't acclimated. You're still checking your phone. You're thinking about your emails. You're thinking about your to-do list. And when I look back, I don't really remember that many one day events I've been to, but I remember every two day event. I remember every three day event. There's something that happens. It's like the one. And part of this is memories. Uh I have teenagers that will be – I have people that will be at this event that were teenagers at my Jim Room 2004 event where we had Dennis Waitley, Charlie Tremendous Jones, Jim Room talking to the teenagers. And by the way, what good parents, right, to have brought their teenagers, right, to an event. But listen, those are memories they still have to this day. And Tom, I know you have a lot of those stories of people that will tell you stories about their parents involving them. And I think of all the vacations I've taken my family on and created memories. When you have a two or three day event, this special, it'll be a memory. It'll stick with you. And it's back to that immersion. You're, you're something. I have a speaker at the event who purposely said, can I speak the third day? I'm like, uh, can you tell me why? And he said, because that's when everyone is just immersed. He said, the first day's tricky. They're busy, they're checking their phones. Second day they really settle in. Third day's like the greatest. It's like they're just like, oh, they're they're just putty. And I'm like, that's pretty powerful. That's pretty that's a great that's a, and, and that's when the learning really happens and the transference really happens. And the relationships, think of how many, you know, lifelong friends and, and million dollar connections and, and things that happen at these type of events. And I'm just saying that because I happened to go to a couple this past four months, which I typically wouldn't. And already, just it's amazing some of the connections that happened.
0: That, that right there is what gets me. I mean, I realize that when we are listening you know even to podcasting when i'm reading there's a there's an aspect of i'm still a spectator when i go to an event i get to engage and, and that is my my impetus in going to an event a lot of times i'll actually have it, well uh, speaking of vacations that's the only reason i'm not at this one cuz the only thing better than being there would be being in Cancun with my wife. No, so, so yeah, so I won't be. There. But if I was, I'd have Can a meeting get with that part
2: out of the podcast. Should we do?
0: <laughs> well, if I was there though, I'd have you on my list to meet with personally, to connect with personally. And, and man, yeah, that is the power. That's one of the primary ones, aside from the content, is those specific, like you said, those million dollar meetings that you have in connections. Uh, that you have. Well, man, thank you so much, uh, for being here with us today, Kyle. And folks, I want to bring you back one more time to his book, 52 Lessons I Learned from Jim Rohn and Other Great Legends I Promoted. Go to Kyle Wilson, K Y L E, com. And for your email address, you will get that and you'll also get connected. And I'm sure he'll be kind enough to share what other great events are coming up that he is involved with. But Kyle, thank you for sharing. Thank you for inspiring me today.
2: Kevin and Tom, what an honor. Thank you so much. This was amazing, awesome gotta tell the whole world to start tuning in every week to your uh, podcast it was awesome i'll accept so that
0: much. i'll accept that
2: <laughs> Great. hey thanks so much guys
0: thank you thanks everyone yeah, for tuning in
2: in uh, in may kevin you too see you guys <laughs> at the event
0: i'll jet in from cancun all right i'll talk to awesome. my wife see thank how that goes much over much. thanks guys thanks everybody for tuning into the ziggler show